Blue Wire. All right, everyone, welcome into episode number 41 of That's What B Said. Um, we've titled this episode the one where we don't even know where to start. Uh, I am your host, Bree at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by Miss Mollis at Bird's Eye View. Hey, Britt. Hello, everyone. Oh, look at Our mood tonight is so somber. Blue we need to June. change that. Ugh. I know. And we got Meredith here, too, at MKN Sports. Hi, Mare. Evening, ladies. I, I wore my hair back today because I just didn't have the energy after that exhausting day yesterday. So I'm slicked back. I told Brittany before you logged on, Mare, I'm trying to look more like a man so that people respect my takes. There you go. You know, Dale's <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. You <laughs> no homemaker. No homemakers on this podcast. <laughs> I called a homemaker today. I don't make anything, just FYI. <laughs> Except that bread. That's red oh. and some babies. Okay. <laughs> too much. Okay. All right, ladies. Well, we can't avoid this topic forever. So as we know, the Browns had their opening debut yesterday under coach Zaddy. Uh, it did not go well. They got destroyed. 38 to six was the final. I'm so disappointed. Uh, we're going to break down a little bit, get into some takeaways on each side of the ball but just overall, we've been huge supporters of Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, up to this point in time. Obviously, from an offseason standpoint, you can't win games. We had a chance yesterday to win a game, not even close to winning a game, not even close to tying the game. Uh, so I'm going to start with you, Brittany. How did you think Coach Stefanski did yesterday? Yeah, we're not calling him Zaddy right now. <laughs> he doesn't deserve to be called a Zaddy. He, does he have to earn back the Zaddy he status? Earn it. <laughs> like earning your stripes. Earn your I feel zaddy. like we are unfairly like put on the spot here. So like everything that he does wrong, people are going to be throwing it in our faces specifically. I don't think that's fair, number one. Like it's our coach. We were, like, excited for Freddie, too. Yes, exactly. Probably not as excited, but, you know, whatever. Um, so to answer your question, so I have, like, layered answer here. Are you ready? I'm ready. Peel okay. it back. So first of all, I think he had a lot of things working against him, obviously. Um, number one, Baltimore is just a very good team, period. Yes. And – that in and of itself is incredibly frustrating because as I was watching the game yesterday, I was like, damn it, they just make it look so easy. Yeah. Like this is Lamar's, was it third season? Yeah, it had been a third season. So it wasn't that long ago that they implemented like a brand new offense to fit all of his strengths. And, you know, it was a risk. Lamar, we remember he fell to 32nd. A lot of teams pass on him. But, um, you know, they, they went all in on him and we see how that played out for them. We see, and now it just looks effortless. You know, they had that drive for 99 yards yesterday and you're just like, God damn, like, why can't we do that? And so that's just, it's hard playing Baltimore anyway. Um, secondly, a new system takes time. And I know that Browns fans are tired of hearing that because, you know, we switch regimes so much and we have different systems and new head coaches and all these new pieces and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, just be patient be patient. But, you know, it really does. And then, you know, we had the whole COVID thing. So the off season was a little wonky. Um, you know, I'm not going to 
they weren't alone in their poor performance. There was a lot of like terrible football yesterday. There was some good football too, but there was a lot of terrible football. So it's not all in the Browns. I'm trying to be positive. I really am. <laughs> I appreciate it. But um, I think we talked about this earlier. I think the thing that bothered me the most is that we saw a lot of the same mistakes. Like it looked like it could have been a Freddie Kitchens game. Yes. And that was something I expected to lose. I think we all expected to lose, but maybe I just expected to lose differently than we lost. Yeah. So I think that's a good, really good way of putting it, actually. That's it. That's yeah. what I got for you. Meredith, I'd love to hear your takes on coach yesterday. So I think the hardest part, um, and Brittany touched on it a little bit with the continuity that they've had in Baltimore. Like Lamar is not working, you know, with, with a lot of different things the way, I mean, Baker has had how many head coaches in the past five years, including college and how many offensive coordinators. Yeah. It's been, he's just been like, there's been so much change and it's hard to get better when everything is so inconsistent. And I think, and I was thinking about this a lot yesterday and I think the hardest part, is we expected bad football because there was no preseason. There were no proper off-season workouts. Guys had to work out on their own. They weren't even allowed in their facilities until a few weeks ago. But it, the Ravens did not look like they had the same off-season issues that the rest of the team was working with. I feel like this would not have been as painful of a loss if the Ravens we're looking as sloppy as the Browns were for the same reason with, you know, with the dumb penalties and the over, over underthrown passes and, and all the stuff that you would expect from a team that hasn't had the time to work together. But the fact that the Ravens just made everything look so effortless and so easy, and they just, they looked like one cohesive unit. And I think that's what made the Browns loss so much more painful is because they did not look like they were struggling with COVID in the off season. <laughs> COVID. Yeah. You guys, like, well, you guys both mentioned it. Obviously, the Ravens in, in and of themselves are a Super Bowl contending team. They are. So mm -hmm. like, like you mentioned, Brittany, right out of the gate, that's a really tough matchup to begin mm -hmm. with. Without all of the extra things that the Browns had going against them. And we don't want to make excuses and sit here and make excuses. But you do have to acknowledge that that's a really good football team. They have the possibility of going to the Super Bowl and winning it. So that's, that's step number one, huge matchup. I was a little bit surprised yesterday at how easy they were passing the ball because you expected for Lamar and Ingram and J.K. Dobbins to just run all over us. Mm -hmm. But I would say from a pass perspective, I was not expecting him to throw as much as he did. And yeah. that was pretty deflating to me at the very beginning because, you know, even if you were to stop them from a run – Mm -hmm. He was, he was getting his passes. They were accurate. They were on target. And the reality is they didn't have to really be on target because we didn't have anyone covering. Like there was nowhere near the receiver. So I guess when you look at it that way, um, maybe it wasn't that difficult, but uh, yeah, I, I, that was a really tough matchup. But like you mentioned, Brittany, it looked like the team of last year yeah. and we're going to touch on the different groups here going into it. So to break down the game, uh, what we wanted to do is kind of split this up by offense, defense, and special teams, go over just a few negative and a few positive takeaways from the game yesterday, <laughs> if there are any positives. We tried. We're scraping. <laughs> um, so we're going to start with the offense. So we've got a long list of negatives that we've written down. Not very many <laughs> positives coming out of this. So I don't want to 
steal your lady's thunder at all with this. So I'm going to start with you, Meredith, on anything from the offensive side. Do you want to start with positives? Sure. Let's... <laughs> That was the longest pause ever. I know. Well, because it, it took me a second to think about. It's hard. Positives. It's hard. Um, yeah. Well, I think I think one positive is that Kareem Hunt showed that he earned his contract. Yes. Um, which is it, it's good and a bad thing. Like he's got a very team friendly contract, so if he keeps performing and keeps getting better, um, the way he has been. Uh, when his contract is up in two years, he is going to get paid. But um, but yeah, I think it's obvious that the Browns and Andrew Berry specifically are still, you know, kind of keeping him at an arm's length because he did get into a little bit of trouble um, after Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski took over the team. But they clearly see something in him to give him a two-year extension. Mm -hmm. um, so even though it is a very team-friendly contract, he's he pretty much showed on Sunday why he earned that two-year extension. So I think that was a positive. Um, I really like the way David Njoku was playing. It made me feel happy that I stand so hard for him in the offseason, even after it was talking about a trade and wanting out of here. And I'm like, no, it's he's not the one begging for a trade. It's his awful agent. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was happy about But he's on the IR now, which is yeah. not So that was news great. coming out of today. I don't think it really – okay. Let me rewind here. With David Njoku, he was like the one bright spot of the entire offense yesterday in terms of making some clutch passes. He caught the ball, which has been mm -hmm. something that he struggled with. He had the touchdown mm -hmm. catch. Um, he was consistent. And I would, I would have expected Austin Hooper to get most of those targets yesterday, which that surprised me. But David Njoku stepped up when we needed him to. Um, and, of course, now he's injured and on the IR. So we will not be seeing David Njoku for a few weeks now. Of course. I think three games is – Yeah. Yeah. So – but, hey, good news is we have Austin Hooper, who can hopefully step in and play that role that we assumed he would be playing anyway. And then Harrison Bryant, the rookie. Um, Brittany, do you want to touch on any – do we have any more positives? Um, the one, the one positive, and you know how I mentioned that it's, it felt like a Freddie Kitchens game. The only difference really that I saw, and this could be applied to, you know, offense, defense, whatever. There wasn't as many penalties as we saw last yes, year. Good point. So, Less than 18 penalties. Do we remember what our overs and unders were? I did. Well, I mean, I had it from last week. We, <laughs> a lot of them are irrelevant because we didn't even... <laughs> get one of things <laughs> so, that, was so that that is a good thing and that was one of the things that drove us crazy as fans last year is all the penalties just killed them they were so undisciplined so all over the place they weren't ready so that was a positive from yesterday there was not as many penalties and i sort of expected there to be more because you know everything that happened in off season and trying to get everything together. This is the first time really out there but under a new head coach and stuff. I expected there to be more. So there wasn't. And that, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the positive takeaway from the game. There you go. That's it. All right. So going in, back into the offense, I'm going to list out, I'm going to bullet point out some negatives. Mm -hmm. um, I want you guys to identify what you think is the most concerning about the offense. Or can we just kind of throw this game out of the, out of the way? And do we think that this will be a reoccurring theme or not? 
So I'm going to list it out. People weigh in on Twitter, if you're listening, of, of what you kind of took away as well. So number one, we only scored six points. And when you look at, obviously, all of the offensive weapons that we have, I would have expected us to have more points than six, especially even if we would have expected a loss out of this. I mean, sure. scoring more than one touchdown would have been great. Yeah. Uh, we abandoned the run game pretty early on. Obviously, when you're playing from behind, I can understand why that happens. But again, we just never established the run. Number three, Baker still looked pretty uncomfortable and pretty inaccurate at times. Um, and one thing that we wanted to recommend to everybody, if you haven't read the article from Jake Burns, he put out a great article really recapping all of Baker's um, plays, throws, concerns that, that he's seeing based on some habits that seem to be forming. So we will retweet that article out and make sure you guys go read that. I don't know if it'll mm-hmm. make you feel any better, just FYI. It made me feel a whole lot worse because <laughs> yesterday I remember texting you guys during the game. I was like, guys, I don't think Baker looks that bad. And then I read this article and I'm like, okay, never mind. I don't know anything. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's it's disconcerting also because uh, Pro Football Focus, who is, you know, king nerd analytics numbers, like everything mm-hmm. they do is based purely on numbers. Yeah. And they have been very pro Baker since his freshman year. They've been pro Baker, freshman, since his first season. <laughs> I think I'm still in college over here. Um, they've been very, very pro Baker throughout this whole process, even through the Hugh Jackson era, through the Freddie Kitchens era. And then I was reading Pro Football Focus earlier today, and they're starting to say a lot of the same things that Jake was saying in that it's mm-hmm. time to start worrying. And yeah. the fact that we have two you know, independent film study people in Jake Burns and the people at Pro Football Focus yeah. mm-hmm. independently coming to the same conclusion, that worries me. No bueno. Yeah. Yeah, so we can talk about Baker a little more here. And upon reading that article, again, Brittany, I, I did not feel good after after that. And no. last year, I think a lot of us were really quick to blame the offensive line mm-hmm. in that that's what Baker's struggles were stemming from, that he didn't have enough time. He had a lot of instances yesterday mm-hmm. where he had enough time in the pocket and he still double-clutched the ball mm-hmm. or he just was indecisive. And yes. I think my biggest takeaway from Jake's article is he seems to right now be going to his first read only. There's nothing, there's no processing, doesn't feel like he's reading the defensive well, the defense as well. And I think that was the same issue that we saw happening last year. And I just don't think that's an offensive line issue. Unfortunately, I think that's a Baker issue. And in order for us to succeed this year, Baker's got to figure this out. So I'm just going to point out a couple of things from the article since we're talking about it. Um, We bulleted out some key takeaways here. Um, So that was the first is really his seems to not be understanding how to read the defenses or he's seeing ghosts. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I noticed, this wasn't in Jake's article, actually. Um, I think he may have touched on this a little bit, but Baker seems to have a lot of batted passes. And I think that, again, goes into really only making that decision off of his first read. He seems to be throwing into the line versus, you know, Jarvis was wide open on that first interception. And if he would have just seen that read coming, mm-hmm. he would have had Jarvis for a first down and, and plus some. Um, the other thing, again, Baker's not a running quarterback. You saw yesterday Lamar Jackson, anytime there was pressure, anytime the Browns got pressure on Lamar, he would just roll out and extend the play. 
Mm-hmm. Baker did that a little bit in his first year, but that's not something that he's comfortable doing, nor will he ever be that type of quarterback. No. Um, he's also short. We know this. So if he's not a speedy quarterback and can escape when there's pressure coming, uh, we need him to be accurate and to be able to read the defense. Yeah, I think he's sort of falling into a space where he doesn't trust himself. Yeah. Like whatever confidence he had back in 2008, I don't see that anymore. I think now he second guesses everything. He doesn't seem to trust his own vision. He, you know, it's the first read and that's it. And like, this is, it's going to continue to be a problem. And I wrote down in here, I was watching um, a first take today and they were, you know, everyone gets hung up on height and quarterback size and everything. And I get that to an extent. Um, but they were talking, they were comparing Baker to, you know, like Drew Brees or Russell Wilson, where you have these guys that, yeah, they're not, you know, six foot four, but that doesn't, they have other things. So, you know, Russell Wilson, he's very fast. Yep. Uh, Drew Brees, he is super accurate. Yep. But then you look at Baker and you're like, okay, what's that, that thing that he needs to, to be successful at this level? Um, and I, here's my idea, because this is how I go through life. I'm like, okay, well, I'm never going to be like, you know, what I'm never going to be like the prettiest or the, the smart, but the smartest, but then I'm like, well, can I be the nicest? So like, that's what I try to work for. I'm never going to be these two things, but can I be this? Can I do this really well? What is that thing that Baker is going to do really well? that makes him successful. Do you think it's possible for him to just get smarter? Because Jake Burns talks a lot about how, um, like this is a chess chess match. Yeah. You know, you have to be two or three steps ahead of people. Baker's really lacking in that department. Do you think that's something that could, did he could maybe work on or get better at? Is that his thing? Is something else going to be his thing? Like, what is it? Or is it just not going to work? I don't want to say that yet, but like I, people are thinking it. Um, you know, I saw people photoshopping Trevor Lawrence into Browns uniforms mm-hmm. today. Gross. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's the tank for Trevor and fail for fields. I think I've seen both of those. Oh, God. Just Here FYI. we go. Here we go. I don't know. I'd, I don't What do you guys think? Is there something that he can excel in that maybe he's not yet? Based on what we have seen, what is his strength? Because he used to be really accurate in college. Probably not so much anymore. I'll yeah, and we saw, that, throws, we saw that. We saw the accuracy in 2018, and he yeah. seems to to trust what he was seeing. And mm-hmm. you know, I keep going back to 2018 as well. And maybe I shouldn't. Like maybe that was an anomaly that I I shouldn't be looking at that anymore. But something in between 2018 to now just doesn't have him trusting his mm-hmm. vision, his receivers. Um, I mean, he obviously switched his footwork this year. That's been a big topic of conversation leading into um, the season. So, you know, is he still trying to get comfortable with the new footwork? Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to get into the receivers and the chemistry and all that stuff in a little bit too. But I think specifically for Baker, man, his confidence, he needs to get that back. And what I was texting you guys about earlier today was just the fact that it seemed like there were – moments where Baker was accurate and where he did make a good read, but then something else happened where it failed. So it was either the receiver didn't catch a pass or a play broke down and we didn't convert. Yeah. And it's like when, when that happens and then you have the batted passes, the interception, you know, nothing is clicking 
with the offense at all. And it's really deflating when that happens. And then you also have the moment of we, we recover a fumble, we march down the field, we're getting into field goal position, potentially adding points on the board, and then we march ourselves back to a third and 41. You know, what <laughs> that just like we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. <laughs> and I didn't laugh, know like, that it can go that high. I was like, third and 40, what is this? <laughs> just don't even put the number up, right? Yeah, at that point, can't you just say third and long just to make us feel better? Uh, anything. Just looking at that and seeing third and 41, be like, oh my God, how did we get here? Yeah. How does, how does anyone get here? Yeah, like what, what type of play do you call on that? I mean, <laughs> like what, third, <laughs> third and 41 is like what it would be if I was the quarterback. Like, do you think like, they have in their playbook, like, this is the play we will run for a third and extremely long? <laughs> <laughs> Um, if they don't now, <laughs> they, they do. should. They will now be prepared. <laughs> okay. uh, Meredith, but anything then, else you want to add on Baker before we – we're going to get into the wide receivers running backs here in a minute. I – so I love Brittany's point of, you know, what does Baker need in order to excel because he doesn't have the speed that Lamar Jackson does. He doesn't have the height – Yep. that someone like Trevor Lawrence, because I think Trevor Lawrence is like 6'5 or something ridiculous like that. Um, but I like the idea of him getting smarter because that sort of goes back to what Jake was saying with his with his reads. Where I, And I have a feeling that's probably why OBJ, which I know we're going to get into, OBJ got 28% of his targets uh yesterday is because that was probably the first place he was looking it was he was immediately looking at obj and then instead of you know scanning the field checking down the field he's trying to force the ball to to obj so i think Brittany's idea of him getting smarter is best case scenario because then that's going to be him being able to figure out defenses and being able to uh just sort of you know read the field and what's in his head you know and I don't know, maybe he can be like the king of audibles and like really piss off Alex Van Pelt. I don't know. Just, you know, throw the playbook out the window and call your own plays on the field. I don't know. Yeah. Just something. Yeah. And I know everyone keeps saying like, he's the same height as Drew Brees, same height as Russell Wilson, but we've already talked about Russell Wilson. He has the ability to use his legs. That's just not who Baker is. Mm-hmm. I think with Drew Brees, he's very accurate. He's not going to use his legs. I think if you want to compare Baker to anyone, that's the guy to model this game after. But right now, Baker's accuracy is not there either. Like, so mm-hmm. he, like, he's not at that stage to say, oh, we'll just develop an entire offense like what they do for Drew Brees. Because I think yeah. right now, Baker's almost back at square one. It's almost like he's a rookie all over again, unfortunately. Yeah. And it almost felt like with some of the plays that they were running, they were trying to keep it simple for him. But I think without all the fan noise too, I, I don't know, was the defense able to identify what they were running? Like, was that so much easier for them to identify and then therefore making it harder on Baker because they already knew it was coming. And I think we ran into a lot of that last year as well with Freddie Kitchen and a lot of the teams, a lot of the defenses knew the play that was, that the Browns were going to run. That's what it mm-hmm. seemed like to me yesterday. There was like guys, no disguise, no play action, you, not a ton of play yeah. action, honestly. No. Do you think that they looked more, I don't know if prepared is the right word, but you know how like last year they had, there was articles and stuff written about it. Um, the players said they went into games and they would just abandon their plan. Yes. Do you think that happened yesterday? Maybe is that like a difference that we didn't point out yet? 
do you think this was a plan? Do you think what happened yesterday was any part of a plan? Or do you think they abandoned? They, they had a plan to begin with, you know, at least last year we got like the good opening drive, right? Yeah. Like yeah. we got that. Was that. Pretty consistent. that was the only thing consistent really game to game yes. was the opening drive. Yes. And then after that it was gone, but you know, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I have a, this was my theory. It honestly felt like this was our preseason script. Like the entire first quarter felt like they were just trying things out. It was very, very odd to me. And, and I think especially when the fake punt happened. Oh, God. Where I'm fine if you want to try a fake punt, but maybe like not in the first quarter when you actually have a chance to still be in the game. And I and understand that there was a blown block that – we probably would have gotten the first down and it would have mm-hmm. been fine. But yeah, it felt, it felt a little bit odd to me um, at the beginning. I was a little, I was scratching my head a little bit. Yeah. And also I was going to say the Ravens are not the team that you want to yeah, be, just you know, try trying. Out. Yeah. That they're, they're not the team that you want to get cute with. No. Yes, I agree. So that coach Stefanski, <laughs> that was the one thing where I was like, Oh no. <laughs> What is you doing? That was a Freddie yeah. Kitchens move. Well, that was like the four, what was what was it? The um oh gosh, against the Rams last year, the draw play. Oh my god! And then the um, I'm trying to forget intentional that. penalty. Mm. Oh god! I, oh god! <laughs> I was I was reading somewhere that. Uh, your brain has this thing where when you go through extremely traumatic events, your brain actually erases the memory to like save yourself. So my brain keeps er- like erasing that third and draw play. <laughs> and people keep reminding me of it. But I also wonder, because I've heard this a lot from a lot of former head coaches in that managing a game and calling plays like essentially they're both of them in and of themselves are two full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very like some coaches are really, really skilled at doing that. And some aren't. And I almost feel like Kevin Stefanski may have been t- biting off a little more than he can chew by calling plays in the first game. Um, I also understand why he did it Yeah, because I think for them, and this is just kind of how I'm reading it is that it's easier to start with Stefanski as the play caller and then transitioning those responsibilities over to Alex Van Pelt rather than the other way around. So if AVP was calling plays yesterday and that game looked like that, and then all of a sudden Stefanski is like, oh no, now I have to manage this game and call plays. So I think that's, it makes sense that they're doing it that way, but I've just heard one too many times how difficult it is to manage a game and call the plays at the same time. So what I'm hoping is that there is going to be a transition over into Alex Van Pelt calling these plays, and then maybe mm-hmm. these things will get easier for the Browns. I have a positive, I think, kind of mm-hmm. piggybacking off of that, Meredith. I think Kevin Stefanski does not seem like the type that will let his ego get in the way. Versus mm-hmm. Freddie Kitchens, I think, was very insistent that he needed to play the calls, and it was his mm-hmm. offense. And then you had Hugh driving the bus. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel like Kevin Stefanski will let his ego – be an issue for this team moving forward. So I hope that that is one positive is that just from a personality standpoint, hopefully he is mature and doesn't feel like he has to be a hero in this situation. Yeah. 
Absolutely. All right. So we're going to cover off on a couple of more things from the offensive side. So let's get into the playmakers. So we definitely did not get the playmakers involved. OBJ was a big topic of conversation yesterday. It was interesting. OBJ, I don't even think had gotten a target until the second quarter. Um, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, like it looked very promising from a run game perspective early on. We obviously abandoned that um, once we started to, to get behind and play from behind. Um, Jarvis Landry, I think, got a couple of touches. Hooper really didn't get many targets. Um, I think to me, this is one of the most frustrating things is that you have a room full of offensive weapons to help Baker out, yet we can't figure out how to utilize them. And I watch other teams distribute the ball across multiple playmakers. And you saw it with the Ravens. Mm -hmm. J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, two running backs, they were involved in the offense, both did very well. Mm -hmm. Freaking Willie Sneed looked like a pro bowl or wide receiver, FYI, <laughs> former Cleveland Brown. That was annoying. Marquise Brown obviously had a great game as a receiver, but you see them getting multiple people involved. And for us, there's no rhyme or reason. I mean, Kaderil Hodge was in way more than I would have wanted to see him. And I have mm -hmm. no idea why over Higgins, um, over OBJ in some instances. Um, so that was, that was really odd to me. And I'm not quite understanding what those decisions stemmed from. Um, no. I, remember, I don't know what remember you guys last think about year, that. Last year when we were talking about, you know, Freddie Kitchens, he fell into this trap where it seemed like at times he was trying to get too cute. And instead of just doing the very simple things well, he would worry about, you know, like tricking them or doing whatever. I don't think Kevin Stefanski is going to do that. But to me, and I'm just a fan, but looking at the amount of talent on this team, it's hard to imagine situations where you're just not getting it together. Like you have, you have, OBJ did not help himself yesterday. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, Jarvis Landry should get in the ball more. You should never abandon the run if it's working. You have such a great, you know, uh, running back duo. They should be getting more than, I think they got was 23 total touches. And then there were parts of the game where they just weren't even there. And it's just like, it seems like simple things that should be implemented more. And it's confusing as to why they're not. I just, I hope that he's not going into that Freddy Kitchens thing where he's like trying to outsmart them. <laughs> just hearing that makes me laugh. Freddy Kitchens trying to outsmart people, but he did. He thought that he was like the smartest one in the room for some reason. <laughs> But I don't think I don't think we're gonna have to worry about that Stefanski. But it's all very confusing right now. Yesterday was a very confusing game. Yes, I think. I mean, it might go back to what Jake Burns was saying about Baker and only going with his first read, because yeah. um, he could, you know, have that habit of you know always looking at OBJ for the very first time, or like always looking at Kareem Hunt for the very first time. Um, and then just straight up going with that rather than like looking down the field and saying, okay, well, you know, OBJ is not really open right now. Like, let me look for a different receiver. Let me look for a different tight end. Because um, I remember last year, uh, and even into part of his rookie year, one of the things he talked about was uh, the game slowing down for him. Because uh, the first time he started and things were just coming at him so fast and it was overwhelming. And, you know, he was saying with every game, yeah, it feels like the game is slowing down for me. And I think that's maybe where he is right now is that maybe this the game just isn't, 
you know, to him, it's not slowed down. You know, I, I think that's one of the reasons why he was so successful in 2018, because I remember that's what he kept saying over and over again is, oh, the game is slowing down for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you have the amount of offensive weapons that he does, man, it's like, I don't know, it's like a kid in the candy store, but then you still just go to your favorite candy every single time instead of trying every single candy. Yeah. I actually don't know at this point, though, who his favorite is. You know, it's it's very confusing just based on some of the some of the players that are on the field. You know, there's <laughs> is there a favorite? <laughs> I don't I don't think so. And okay, so let's just get right into it. The OBJ debate. I'm sick of having this conversation. I am sick of Yeah, let's talk about this. I, I don't I know have, how you guys feel, but I have lots of thoughts on OBJ. <sighs> okay. So we were super stoked to get OBJ what a year and a half ago it's been a year and a half um everybody wants him off the team everyone thinks the Browns will be better with OBJ off the team everybody thinks Baker will be better with OBJ off the team I think this is a very very interesting take Mm -hmm. because you could have looked at yesterday and I don't know if Baker is concerned about getting OBJ touches but it definitely felt like OBJ mentally was not there in a sense of he was letting the Ravens get into his head. He was clearly frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times when Baker underthrew him. Mm-hmm. Then you have the dropped third and two pass that he was wide open on, should have caught. That was mm-hmm. horrible. So you have some instances where he's frustrated. He feels like he's probably getting grabbed a little bit. He also is getting underthrown. Um, and if you go back and look at at a couple of throws where Baker missed him, I mean, OBJ had a couple of yards of separation. He also There were also instances where OBJ was wide open and didn't get the ball, and Baker's mm-hmm. trying to force it to someone else. So for whatever reason, I continue to go back to, I can understand the frustration as a player. I think you saw Kareem Hunt get frustrated on one play as well, and I think it was on the third and two pass that OBJ dropped. Kareem Hunt was, I think, streaking down the sideline wide open. I'm pretty sure he would have ran for another 10 yards, if not been gone for a touchdown, unless someone would have picked him up. But I can understand the frustration. I don't know if I'm ready to say right now that OBJ is the problem and that if he leaves the team, that everything's going to be solved. Mm. So I'm with you in that I don't think that that's the problem. That's not it. Um, I don't, it's not working. I don't think it's unfair to say that. I think since since OBJ came, you know, we saw a different version of Baker back in 2018. I don't know what happened or why there seems to be this reoccurring problem. And again, we're only one game into the season, and I understand. But for whatever reason, those two just don't seem to be clicking on anything. And I'm sort of curious at this point what it's like watching them in practice. Right. Are they like this, like, you know, when they're not in games? Do, are they, you know, is it more fluid when it's just the team? I don't know. Um, but I'm not there yet where I'm going to say OBJ needs to be traded. But I'm now at the point where I'd be willing to say, okay, maybe at some point if this continues, OBJ can be great. Maybe he's just not the right fit for this offense. I don't know. But then it gets into the whole thing where you're like, okay, but maybe Baker's the problem and OBJ isn't and with another quarterback. 
Can I ask you a question though? How many sure. times have we asked ourselves or how many times have we witnessed a player leaving the Browns and flourishing somewhere else? I'm 100% certain that would happen with OBJ. Like no <laughs> doubt. Sure. But, you know, I, I don't want to see the Browns continue to struggle with this problem that doesn't seem like it's getting fixed at all. And I don't know how to fix, I don't know how they go about fixing this. Um, but I, how much longer do you let it go on? So I was, I was thinking about this a lot today. Uh, OBJ and Baker remind me a lot of, I guess the first, I don't know if I'm going to call him a boyfriend because we never really had that talk, but I was dating this guy for a while um, around the time I first moved here. Um, and on paper, absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, smart, funny, you know, stable job. We had a lot of the same interests. Um, but like chemistry just, it wasn't there. Like when we first got together, everything was a lot of fun, but things fizzled out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after a while, you know, I'd be going over to his place and we'd be hanging out and it would just, I don't know, we'd kind of both be like sitting on our phones. Mm -hmm. You know, we weren't really paying a lot of attention to each other and, you know, he ended it and I was, I was upset, not because I, I, not because it was him, but just because it ended in general. And looking back on it, it was like, yeah, like he was like on paper, it's like, this is like husband material, but we just, mm -hmm. there just wasn't something there between us. And that's kind of what Baker and OBJ remind me of because like on paper, well, minus, <laughs> minus some of Baker's like recent performances, but for the most part, you look at it and like OBJ is perfect on paper, but you know, maybe it's just not the right fit for Baker. And that's not an indictment on either of them mm -hmm. at all. Um, you know, I, OBJ is still one of my favorite receivers in the league. And if he does leave the Browns, it doesn't matter where he goes. He's still going to be one of my favorite receivers in the league. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's sort of the feeling that I get. And then also the, the high school analogy that I sent you guys earlier today, I get a little bit of that too, where it's like, OBJ is the cool kid in class and he invites Baker to join his little clique because, you know. Baker's the rich kid with a cool car and they're like, all right, we need a kid with, we need someone in our group with a car, you know, come here. And then Baker's kind of like, well, got to be careful if I say or do the wrong thing, they're going to kick me out of the club and I don't want to be sitting at the loser's table anymore. <laughs> so there's know. like, I think, I think there's a little bit of both of that. I mean, cause here's the thing, like OBJ is just, he's an intimidating person for so many reasons because he's one of the best receivers in the league. So his talent is intimidating and he's got a huge personality and that's also intimidating. And again, these are not indictments on OBJ. Like anyone in any situation with a big personality can be intimidating. And, and I think that is something that Baker just needs to get over. Like, I think he just needs to look at OBJ and understand that they're there to help each other. They need to be there for each other and to not be scared and to not be nervous and to, you know, and, and it's okay if OBJ goes a whole game without getting a target or a touch, you know, as long as you're winning. Cause he has said that over and over again, he just wants to win. No, no. I think it's interesting, Meredith, because my perception of OBJ is like the opposite. Like, yeah, he got a ton of attention in New York and the one handed catch and all that stuff. But I actually feel like here in Cleveland, he's been pretty under the radar. Like he doesn't want to be in the spotlight. He's been talking about how he's comfortable here. I think, you know, from what I've seen, it almost feels like he wants it to work here. And I go back to Baker, who I think has a huge personality. And I think he loves 
you know, he's clearly the guy that wants to be the underdog. He chirps back and forth. Um, we've seen that from him time and time again. Um, but I don't know. I, I still go back to like, I think it's the one read. And I think Baker at this point doesn't, doesn't have chemistry with anyone, unfortunately. Um, maybe Jarvis a little bit and maybe Njoku. We thought he had it with Higgins two years ago. They're not even putting Higgins in. So everything is just confusing when it comes to the playmakers. And one thing I think that's going to be really important is we need to figure out what our offensive identity is. We thought it was going to be running. I hope on Thursday, and we're going to get into this because we're going to have a special show tomorrow, but I hope what we see is establishing a run game with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and then that opens up the passing game, takes a little bit of pressure off Baker and the receivers, and there's these little mistakes aren't going to like feel like huge mistakes. So we will see, but we've talked a lot about the offense um, thus far. I want to make sure that we get into the defense and special teams. Don't have a ton of notes on them, but we'll go into the defense because um, we actually didn't have any positives. So this is, <laughs> this is the place. Here's, where... a, here's a positive. They okay. did exactly what I thought they were going to do. There you go. They met our expectations, which was nothing. Me, my dad and I were talking on Friday morning, I think. And we said, the Ravens are going to put 40 on this defense. Like, that's just going to happen. So it's just up to the offense to keep it close. Of course, the offense did not do. They did <laughs> I told you we were going to have to score a lot of points in order to, to win it. games. That's got to be the plan. You just have to score as many points as you possibly can because at least for now, this defense is going to struggle for a while. That's just yeah. that's what it's going to be. I mean, there's really no way with the injuries, and it's a mess. And there's no way to soften that blow. It's just going to be tough for a while. Yeah. So the defensive line is probably our bright spot of the defense and they were a non-factor yesterday. Miles mm -hmm. Garrett is one of the top paid players in the league and he was a non-factor and that's really, really frustrating to see. Now, mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of that has to do with Lamar Jackson just as a quarterback. He's obviously very mobile. Um, anytime that they got pressure on him, he was able to escape, make a throw, make a play. I'm hoping that on Thursday against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati team, I'm hoping that they can get some pressure on Joe Burrow and maybe cause some turnovers, maybe get a few tackles. I don't know. Not asking for much. Just do your job. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think we have to hope that at least Miles, Olivier, Sheldon, Lario, they have a bounce back game and become a factor against the Bengals. But we will get into that more tomorrow um, in our special preview podcast. Good us. Okay. All right. So we're going to wrap it up with special teams. We've got more content to cover tonight. Want to make sure we get to all of it. So um, again, special teams, not a ton of positives here either. However, we did I all agree that Scottish Hammer um, still still a pretty strong punter. Um, the, we already talked about this, but the fake punt, that was bad. We don't need to do that. It would have been good if it would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we have a new kicker. Actually, a new old kicker. Shoot. Cody Parkey, welcome back. <laughs> oh, this day. What's old is new again. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sad that like Joey Sly was just sitting there doing nothing and then Carolina snatched him. This is going to be interesting. I mean, I think it's clear that um, Seibert's leash was like 
this long because he had yeah. just a terrible performance last year. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that Andrew Barry has said over and over again, like, you know, there's no my guys, his guys. It's, you know, who we have on the team right now. But I feel like going into it, I don't think that Andrew Barry was a huge fan of Austin Seibert, which is uh, why we saw this change happen so swiftly. Yeah. They went from, oh, we're gathering information to just buy. <laughs> <laughs> like out decision. on the street. Like, yeah, they released him. Like, yeah. Or they waived him. Excuse me. They waived him. So they're just like, yeah, bye. They wasted no time with that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then unfortunately, because of COVID protocols, Cody Parkey is their only option um, because I think it's, you know, it's not like they can just take someone up off the street and they can't just sign a free agent because there's COVID protocols that you have to go through to even get into uh, an NFL facility. So they, they had to go with who they had on the practice squad, which was Cody Parkey. Yeah. Well, I'm rooting for him. I am rooting for him. God, I just, I would love to see him just absolutely flourish with the Browns, especially after the performance that he had in Chicago. Oh, I know. Oh my God. I want a good comeback story. Yeah. Can we have, like, we want Cody Parkey redemption over here. Yes. All right. So now that this recap was over with, um, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on a couple of things that I had tweeted about that just made me think. And I want to hear what you guys think about this as well. So first of all, I was curious how people were feeling about this game one versus last year's game one against the Titans. We obviously know that that was also just a disaster. Yes. I put the poll out on Twitter, got over a thousand votes. I think like over 1500 votes. The poll ended really close to 50, 50, which actually shocked me because I think last year the expectations were way higher going into the season than this year, but yet and maybe this is about being just a prisoner of the moment, but a lot of people were actually feeling like yesterday was worse. Yeah, I voted, obviously, and I voted last year. That was worse because, like you said, there was so much hype. There was so much going to it, and they had that great first drive, and they got your hopes up, and then it just went to hell. Um, so to me, it was no contest. This one sucked. I said yesterday it felt gross, and it did. It just was like <laughs> – I felt like I had to shower afterwards and I was like, ugh, that was not anything. There was very little really to hard. get excited about. But no, like comparing the two, nah, 50-50. I think people were just caught up in their emotions yesterday and it felt yeah. worse because it was the Ravens. And again, that always feels a little bit worse, but no, no contest for me. Yeah, the other thing, Meredith, um, I'll ask you about this. Hypothetically, I was thinking, you know, Kevin Stefanski, I believe, was the runner-up last year, head coach. Mm-hmm. You think it would yeah, have went he's... any differently had he been the coach last year? Like, do you think that things could have been different? Um, I, I think they would have been. I think it also would have been difficult because this time last year, John Dorsey was still the GM. Yeah. Um, and I don't see Kevin Stefanski working as well with John Dorsey the way he does with Andrew Barry because Kevin Stefanski is very open-minded especially when it comes to analytics and so is AB but you know John Dorsey is football guy (laughs) so you know he would want to get in there and do football things and you know get angry at numbers and yell at clouds and you know whatever you know football guys do (laughs) so I think it would have been different. I think if Kevin Stefanski had started 
if, if Kevin Stefanski had gotten the job over Freddie Kitchens, I think he still would have, I think he would still be here. I don't think they would have cut him, but I mean, and, and it's just, it, this is one of those things that because of how strange 2020 has been, it's really, really hard to compare anything from, from this year to last year, because, you know, like, let's say we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic. What would this team have looked like if they gotten their rookie camps and their OTAs and their, um, you know, in a full training camp and a full preseason, like this could be like, this could have been a completely different game. Like in timeline number two, where they're not in the middle of a global pandemic, this game could have been completely different. But I think, and this is sort of my thought process, I am willing to give Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry three years. I think they, they should have three years to prove themselves. And if by year three, if it looks the way Sunday did, then that's when you got to make a change. Um, and I never felt that way about Freddie Kitchens. Like I got to the point where I was like, Freddie's got to go. Like this just, this is not working. He's not the right coach. He's not a head coach. Mm-hmm. I still believe that Kevin Stefanski has the potential to be a really good head coach. Yeah. Um, just a little... Just a little fact for you guys. Um, so teams with new coaching staffs had a one in three record yesterday. The only team that won was Washington football team against the Eagles. Um, I predicted they were going to go 0-16. Carolina lost, but they actually played pretty well. Dallas lost, and then it looks like the Giants are about to lose to the Steelers. So granted, I know some of these coaches are not first-time head coaches. They've been head coaches before. But just something to keep in mind. It'll be interesting as as the season continues. But that kind of gave me some room to pause a little bit. Now, a lot of these teams looked way more prepared than the Browns did. But again, Ravens, really solid team, Super Bowl contender. Mm -hmm. So a little positive spin on that. All right, who put this question in here? What was that? Who do you think the Browns will pull the plug on first if we I did. (laughs) (laughs) Dare you? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's a fair question. No, it is fair. It is fair. And I don't want to think about that. That's tough. I don't either. I don't either. But we're at that point now and people are, the streets are talking, ladies. Streets? Oh my gosh. The streets are talking. I think they're going to stick with Stefanski. I think they pulled the think, plug on Baker before they pulled. Yeah, yeah. I think Baker's on the chopping block. Yeah. They're going to have to make a decision whether to pay him or not. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Tough right. scene. Well, uh, speaking, on, speaking of Twitter and really terrible things, it was miserable yesterday. Uh, Browns fans are uber dramatic. We know that. Um, I want to just put something out there because I saw a lot of different Browns fans yesterday, a lot of different sides. They were all showing their faces. Which crowd of Browns fans are the most annoying? Got a couple of bullet points here. I should put this Twitter poll out. Ones that are actively rooting for failure so that they can prove their point, a.k.a. the Josh McDaniels crowd. They actually seemed overjoyed that the Browns lost and Kevin (laughs) Stefanski struggled. Like, what is happening? They, I don't even need to hear the rest of the list. They are the worst. <laughs> now, I have men at- in my mentions, angry men in my mentions yesterday. What else is new? Talking, <laughs> like throwing it in my face. It's the fans. I'm like, guys, I'm not his mother. You don't have to do this. Like, I, 
I don't own this person. I, I want the coach to do well. So fucking sue me because I want to see a, a Browns coach do well. Right. God forbid. And, okay, can we just get something clear really quickly? We wouldn't have been happy had they hired McDaniels. We would not have been rooting against him. Can we all no. just make that very clear right now? Ever. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, so, even like with like even with Freddie, like it wasn't until about halfway through the season that you know we were just like we turned our backs. Yeah, well, because we knew he wasn't going to work enough. out. But like, <laughs> but I mean, I I mean, I wasn't here when Hugh Jackson got hired. But from what I have heard and from what people have told me is that people were really excited about Hugh Jackson. They were. That is true. People were excited about Hugh Jackson. Yeah. All right, so, so do I need to continue yeah. this list? Because I feel like they win. But I'm going to keep going on with the list because there's still some pretty bad ones on here. Yeah. Um, the ones that harass players online. God, I hate gross. that. Like, I hate that so much. Like, and here's the thing. I would guarantee you a majority of those players probably have their mentions and replies muted mm -hmm. just because they don't give a crap what, you know, Dale175769 is saying on Twitter. Like, they just don't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I was responding to the Ronnie Harrison thing, and I think I found out today that the Jaguar fans were actually the ones, like, harassing him. So, I oh mean, but still very sad. Stop doing that. Um, number three, the ones that immediately want to fire everyone, but then these are the same people that also complain about ownership firing everyone at the end of the season. So, like, you can't have it both ways. This is a tough list. Yeah, right? this is a really hard list. And then I already said this earlier, but the trade OBJ crowd. I mean, I don't hate them as much right now just because at least they have, like, Some a little bit of logic there. Like, hey, maybe this isn't the worst idea in the world. But the other three, they can get stuffed. All three of them <laughs> just get stuffed. Get stuffed. Okay. I agree. Maybe I'll put that poll out there. We'll, we'll yeah. at least put the first three out there. You should put all, all right. four out there. Because that's a really – I mean, that's – I'd be interested to see uh, how people feel about uh, these different groups of people. Yes. All right. Let's well, this has been it. a very negative episode. Um, let's try to put some good vibes out there in the universe. It's what we're known for on this show. Um, ladies, I would like you to give me each something that the Browns fans can look forward to on Thursday night. You're both thinking. <laughs> okay, here we go. Go ahead. Um, so I texted you guys earlier and I said, that the, I think the Browns are six point underdogs, which is not great. That's not my positive be, spin though. <laughs> they actually might be favored, Brittany. Are they? I think so. I thought, I thought they were me. underdogs. Someone confirm. Please confirm. Because I heard that and that broke my heart a little bit. I wouldn't mind in any case. But... In any case. Here's the thing. We are going against a rookie quarterback. Joe Burrow, he looked, you know, okay yesterday. But it's the first home game. Rookie quarterback Cincinnati was not that good last year. We can do this. And we actually, I'm going to rephrase it. We have to do this. Like yes. They have to win this game. They have to, or else it's going to be, it's going to be rough. Okay. So the Browns are six point favorites. Okay. Woo. Thank God. Because actually, I, that, I, I, don't so, know. I was like demoralized I when I, I thought that I read that and I was like, what? Imagine being Cincinnati and seeing that the Browns are favored by six points after. after <laughs> 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 Um, I'm Here going to, I'm going to stick with what I said, uh, a few weeks ago, um, or I don't think that we should panic for the first four games of the season. I mean, that's pretty much the, the length of the preseason. Um, and I said to start out, it was going to be a lot of ugly football, which it has been. Um, and it is a short week. So I just, I don't know 
if this is positive, but I'm trying to make it sound positive of, you know, if they struggle on Thursday night, again, it's not the end of the world for so many reasons. Like I, you know, wait until we get into week eight, nine and, and see where, where the team is. But, you know, if they struggle against the Bengals on Thursday night, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to, you know, not hitting the panic button yet. I'm going to wait until at least halfway through the season. Cause again, 2020 is kind of a weird year and there's a lot of things that they're dealing with and they're all dealing with, but you know, it's not just new head coach and Kevin Stefanski. It's not just not having their off season. You know, they, they've also got brand new everything with, you know, new GM, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new, you know, new schemes everywhere. Baker's footwork is different. Like there's just, there is so much change. It is going to take them time to, to settle in. So that would be my positive for Thursday night is don't panic. My positive is I think we're going to have C. Miles Garrett have a, a nice comeback game against a rookie quarterback. I hope I that, that happens and he takes over. So that's yes. what I think could that would be potentially good. happen. Ladies, shall we get into some questions? We got some questions earlier. I don't want to forget about them. Yes. Let's talk through those. So we have a few announcements that you're going to want to stick around for. We got some good questions, actually. We did. Mm-hmm. That's right. one thing I will, like, I will give it to, like, the girl gang Twitter that, you know, that loves to follow and interact with us. Anytime we ask them for questions, whether it's sports related or non-sports related, like they, you guys, you guys come through with awesome yes. questions. Yes. So positive. I feel like we've right addressed there. some of these already, we have, but we yeah. will go through them. I'll, I'll start you guys. I'll give this one to you and if you guys can read some as well. Okay. So would the Browns linebacker core benefit from signing Clay Matthews? This has also been swirling in the streets. The streets are talking. I'm just <laughs> gonna say, like, I, they're li- they would benefit from anyone right now. <laughs> <laughs> bodies. We would benefit okay. from bodies. Just, just hurl <laughs> bodies on the field at this point. I don't care. So yes, in a way, but like, I, I'm not like a huge Clay Matthews. Like, I don't care. It's the name. It's it, it's exactly the, the people yeah. fall in love with the name and. Not for me, but again, Nostalgic. bodies would be nice. So sure. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you had asked me on Saturday, I would have said absolutely not. Uh, but after yesterday, and I, I think another linebacker is now on the IR. So, I mean, at this point, yeah, just get anybody in who knows the position. Um, I was, I was talking to someone on Browns radio earlier. It was Gerard Cherry. I know he was a safety when he was in the NFL, but I was like, Hey, like, can you kick? Can you tackle? Like, <laughs> you're, are you still in game Suit shape? Up. Suit up. Yeah, I'm like, can you can you fill any void that the Browns have right now? Like, I know you haven't played in a while, but still. Britt, you want to pick one? Yeah, I like this question. Do you think the current Browns would be better if they had a less toxic fan base? <laughs> <laughs> that came from Corey at 2MTL4U. Um, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think anything with less toxicity is always going to be better yes. except for the system of a down song. Cause that's a really good song. <laughs> what do you think? I would hope that the players aren't specifically impacted by the fan base, but it definitely doesn't, it wouldn't make me feel warm and fuzzy coming and playing for this team. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Meredith on, on this one. Like we don't want any toxins. Yeah. No. <laughs> How about how about this one from Mickey? Oh God! <laughs> uh, 
Is there a case for case? I like that phrasing of the question, by the way. That was good. Okay. Uh, Can I just... I was explaining this to somebody. And yeah, just because like he worked with <laughs> Stefanski before, I'm not jumping ship from Baker Mayfield. I'm not saying that. But like, if it happens, if the chips fall that way and they're like, um, you know, Baker's were giving up, pulling the plug on this Baker Mayfield thing. Sure. Throw a case in there. There's a case for case. Free. I think if they do not see the improvement from Baker as we head into the back half of the season, there is a possibility we will see case. So I would say the case for case is if they want to give Baker to ha- a, a chip to have on his shoulder. Cause we've always talked about mm, how well he operates conspiracy. Yes. Yeah. Cause like of how well he operates when he has a chip on his shoulder. And especially last year, felt like he had to manufacture the chips because there was so much hype. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe they put Case Keenum in there just to jolt some life back into him and say, hey, hey, here's a Dorito. Put it on your shoulder. <laughs> Dorito. All right. I'm going to go with this one from Rick at Y-Town Rick. One, how does Baker get back to 2018? He obviously has this within him because we saw it in his rookie year, but haven't seen it since. Two, OBJ is obviously a huge talent, but the offense seems to change for the worst when he's in there trying too hard to get him the ball question mark um okay so as far as baker goes 2018 baker we talked about this he needs to get that confidence back uh he needs to trust his vision more um get smarter look we're so we're solving all of baker mayfield's problems right now we are so smart we should be running the team <laughs> you sound like a lot of other people i saw on twitter today Brittany. Yeah. why are we doing hello i mean um, Andrew Barry's about our age, so there you go. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, OBJ again. You know, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, the offense seems to change for the worse when he's in there. I, I think they just need to stop forcing it so much. Um, you know, it goes back to again when we were talking about Baker on the first read. Like that's it. So these improvements. It seems like the Brown as Baker Mayfield grows. That's when the Browns will grow. When he gets better, that's when the Browns will get better. But, you know, I'm, I'm chilling, just waiting for improvements. I'm not in any, I'm not hitting panic yet. I'll wait it out. All right. We want to take one more? Sure. I liked this one. I know you guys will, too. This came from Solly at RSOL411. The Haslams have hired a bunch of guys coming from winning organizations like Philly, Minnesota, and San Fran. What are the odds they give these guys three years necessary to establish mm-hmm. some continuity? Ziedi Kinkleballa's tweet earlier today about change, which she had a great tweet, by the way. She did. Stan her. Oh my yes. god, I love her so Always. much. And then also, I'll, I'll say this about Aditi, um, just because I'm so deep into every press conference that ever happens. Um, her questions are a breath of fresh air. Like, oh my gosh, listen, so yes. good. If you listen to, it. yeah, Meredith, is she on these calls more because of Zoom, like because of virtual? Yeah, I think I would say so because she doesn't necessarily have to travel. I know yeah, for. For the first part of training camp, she was in Cleveland. Um, I don't know if she actually got into the facility because anytime I saw pictures of her, she was like out in the parking lot. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's one of the great things about the Zoom. There's a lot of, I have a lot of opinions about the Zoom calls, but one of the things that I do like is the accessibility for people who aren't normally in Cleveland or any other market. So like a lot of these national people 
like you've got like Andrew Siciliano who's out in California and he might be, you know, in California, but he can still dial into yeah. all around the country. So I, I do like that. That's um, been one benefit. I, I think from the COVID season is we've gotten to hear more from her and her questions. Yes. I just, I want, I want to hear more Aditi, honestly, just love her, love her so much. This is now an Aditi Kinkawala Stan podcast. It is. Or actually it's kind of been like that since day one. It always be has been. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did you but to, an- question? <laughs> to answer Solly's question, it was, um Haslam about the Haslam's giving the guys three years and that's actually like before I even saw this tweet that was like what I had in my head was three years and and they have to like at this point uh I think that there is enough proven talent on the coaching staff to to give them that three-year rope I think that with Freddie Kitchens his rope was a little bit short because he was unproven and you know, John Dorsey had his issues in Kansas City. Like, there's a reason they they fired him in Kansas City, and whatever he was doing in Cleveland obviously wasn't working out. So, for those guys, I don't think it was there. But I have a lot of confidence in this coaching staff, and I absolutely think no matter what, they need to have three years because there has just been too much change in this organization to really figure out how to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up our questions. Um, A couple of things before we end the show. So some announcements here. Number one, we're going to be recording a special episode tomorrow night. We're not going to go live, but we are going to have someone on um, that covers the Cincinnati Bengals. And we're going to talk to him, get some insight as to the matchup that we could see on Thursday. So look for that to be released on Wednesday morning. Um, we announced tonight, Brittany and I are actually going to be live streaming the game against the Bengals on Thursday night via hot mic. So all you have to do is download the app for free, and then you can use code B said, um, we will send a reminder tweet out for that as well. It should be a lot of fun. We can be miserable together. Hopefully we'll be happy together, but you never know. So come join us. We hope to see you there. Meredith will be working, so we will miss her. Um, and I'll then be there in spirit, <laughs> there you go. And then finally, if you played in our DraftKings fantasy league this Sunday, um, and you won first place, please send me a DM. We have a fun prize. We will be doing this every single week. I will be tweeting out a new link every Saturday. So make sure as soon as you see that link, you set your lineup. It got full super fast and we max out at 200 entries. So we will be doing prizes all year long, I finished in a very sad 118th place out of 200. I finished 190th out of oh, 200. I think, Mary, I, you were one, like 120. Like you were right after I, me. Oh, really? Oh, I haven't checked. So um, friend of the show, also, you know, one of my really good friends um, at the Tone Stallone, he, he and I are like in a competition with each other where we're just like, we don't care who we beat as long as like we beat each, and he beat me by like three positions. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, we had a bunch of random people that joined the league. So we have no idea how they got in, but we will, I'll do a better job of releasing this as soon as I create the league. So we'll we'll have a lots of Cleveland Girl Gang people in. So yes. that was fun. Also, speaking of Cleveland Girl Gang, before yes. we go, um, Jenna has created a bunch of brand new merchandise for football yes. season. Um, and she has a sale going on through midnight tonight. I don't remember what the code is, but you can go to her Twitter or you can go to uh, Beleza and Styles Twitter and well, I retweeted it. We'll all retweet it. But yeah, if you want to get some of that awesome girl gang merch on a discount, uh, her code is good through midnight tonight. Yay. Yep. 
All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. I feel a little bit better after chatting with all three of you. I do feel better a little yeah, bit. I we do. We we worked through we worked through our sadness together. This is a therapy session. Yeah, that's exactly what. <laughs> Got a few more days, and then we'll see if we have to go through this all over again. Um, but nonetheless, we will. You guys will hear from us on Wednesday, and then we will see hopefully a lot of you on Thursday. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, and we will see you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>